There was a, uh, a guy by the name of George Sweeney, uh, Sweetie who told a story about um, going with his family to Niagara Falls some years ago. And he said it was in the early spring and the falls were still uh, coming down with ice, you know, floating down the, the, over the falls, down the river and over the falls. And he said as he was watching, he said it was so fascinating because these big chunks of ice uh, had fish that were frozen in the ice. And he said, of course, there were birds flocking on these ice from, you know, from everywhere. And he said, it was just so fascinating watching these birds ride these chunks of ice, you know, all the way down to the edge of, of the falls. And then when they got to the edge and the ice started over the falls, then the birds would, you know, the birds would fly away. He said, but as he was watching, he said, there was this one gull who was a seagull that was just really boring down on a piece of fish. And he said, as, as, the, as, the, plate, as, the, as the chunk of ice got to the edge, said the chunk of ice started over, and he said the, the gall started to take off, but its talons had actually got frozen down in the ice. And he said, and for just a moment, he said that the gall actually lifted the piece of ice up just a little bit as it started to fly, but then the ice was just too heavy. And he said the, the gall just went down over the falls with this big chunk of ice. Sometimes... You have to learn how to let go. Let that thought camp with you for just a moment. If God was going to ask you to let go of something today, what would that be? What is it in your life that you're holding tenaciously onto that if you don't learn to let go, it's going to take you to places you don't want to go and maybe even disasters that you don't want to be a part of. For some of us, um, maybe we need to let go of the things that are keeping us from God. Uh, come on, let's just be honest. For some of us, we believe there's a God. We believe in the Bible. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. But there are some things in our life that we just don't want to let go of. And so we're kind of holding God out here arm's distance somewhere, and we're really not becoming what God wants us to be. For many of us, we really haven't even received Christ as Savior, made him the Lord of our life. We, we believe that he's there, but there's some stuff we're just holding on to, and some of us need to let go of that to, to really take hold of God. Uh, for some of us, have, have you ever been there where you're in a, in a problem or a situation, and, and, and you want it to change? And you're holding tenaciously onto it. And, and, and you want to control it. And you make this startling discovery. You can't control it. But you, you give it all this energy. And you're holding on. And you're holding on. And you're holding on. And, and sometimes along the way, you, you, you got to learn how to just release things. And, and just give them over to God. Sometimes it's uh, unforgiveness. Uh, sometimes it's grudges that we bear. Sometimes we hold that stuff inside and, and, it's, and it's really interrupting our relationships, maybe with other people and certainly with God, but it's, it's something that's happened. It's an offense that we're, we're just still angry about and we've never, really, we've never really just given that to God. And sometimes we need to let go. Can I give you one more? This is the hardest one. People. Some of us have some people in our lives that we need to let go. Some of us 
are working harder at changing some people around us than they are working at changing themselves. And whenever you're working harder than another individual for them to become who you think they ought to be, you're working too hard. And you need to learn how to let go. Um, There's a a story in scripture that um, is pretty fascinating and I want to look at it today In, in Mark chapter 10. Um, it's a story, if you remember the background, it's a story of a, uh, of a young guy who was pretty wealthy, who came to Jesus, and he asked Jesus this question. He said, Lord, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus takes a look at him, and he says, well, you know, good Jewish boy, well, you know the commandments, you know, don't, don't kill, don't steal, and all this kind of stuff. And he, and he gives the guy six out of the Ten Commandments. Interesting study is he gave him the six that had to do with his relationship with other people. And, he's, and when Jesus told him that, the guy got really excited. He said, well, you know, I've done all of this since I was a kid. And let's pick up that story. Mark chapter 10, beginning of verse 21. And it says, and looking at the man Jesus felt genuine love for him. He said, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. He said, I I want you to go and sell all your possessions and, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. Read it out loud. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. You see, when Jesus talked about being a good old boy, the guy said, I'm I'm a good old boy. I do all of this. But what Jesus didn't get to was this idea of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength to where God was your first love. And what Jesus identified was this this guy's love for his wealth was greater than his love for God. And so Jesus just put him to the test and said, "Are, are are you willing to set all of that aside to gain something in eternity? And the guy couldn't do it. And he walked away. Now, here's what I want you to get. One day I'm reading this in my, in my quiet time, and I'm reading this story. I read this story hundreds of times. And I'm reading this story, and all of a sudden something jumped off the page at me, never seen before. You know what it was? What Jesus didn't do. He didn't go after him. He didn't go after him. He let him walk. I want you to think about that for a second. He didn't chase the guy down and say, are you stupid or something? You know, are you realize I'm offering you eternal life? Are you really going to just, you know, keep your bags of gold? Jesus didn't, he didn't berate him, didn't call him names, didn't call him dumb, didn't start nagging him and going, come on, man, come on, come on, turn around. What's wrong with you? He, he, did, he didn't do any of that. He, and, and he didn't go compromise. He didn't chase the guy down and say, okay, okay, you don't want to give it all. I get that. Da, da, da. You don't care. How about 50%? Can you give half of what you got away? Can, how about 25%? Can you, can you do that? He didn't negotiate, didn't that? You know what Jesus said? Sometimes it's hard for people. He let him walk. I, I remember reading that. And feeling conviction in my own heart because I realize that as a classic codependent, I'm often trying to work harder at people becoming who God wants them to be than they are working at that. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus gave this guy the invitation, but he let him make his own decision. 
Can you do that? This is a hard lesson this morning. Let's start with a prayer. Can you repeat out loud after me? Lord, help me let go. Oh, some of you are struggling with that. Let's do that again. Lord, help me let go. Now, what I want you to identify is just, just again, open your heart and say, who, who, who is it? We're in this tough love series, and we're talking about what does real love look like. Love lets go. Can you do that? Well, let, let me start with this. Let me, let me tell you what letting go is not. When you start talking about letting go, I know, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are going, boy, Steve, that doesn't really sound real Christ-like to, to let, you know, just to let people go. What, let, let me tell you what I'm not, I don't mean. It doesn't mean giving up on people. Letting go isn't giving up on people. It's like saying, well, they, they're, they're blown. They, they don't have a chance. You know, I'm, I don't want anything to do with them after that. I, 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 we're not talking about giving up on people. It's not, it's not that. It doesn't mean we stop being kind to them. It doesn't mean we stop being kind. Some of us, when, you know, we, we, we work and work and work at people, and when they don't do what we want them to do, then we start getting mad at them all the time. Then we're angry with them. And it's, not, it's, not about not, it's not about not being kind. It's not, it's not that. It doesn't mean we don't do anything for them. It doesn't mean that we don't have anything to do with them or that. It, 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 it's not about that. It's, it, and it doesn't mean that we're not open to them changing. Think this thought with me for a second. It's not that we're not open to them changing. What if this young man had walked down the road about a quarter mile and, and all of a sudden he realized, man, I'm walking away from eternal life. What, what in the world good is this money going to do me? What if he came back to Jesus? What if he would have come back to Jesus in the story and said, Lord, I've thought about what you said. And man, you are so right. Um, I want eternal life. I'm willing, to, I'm willing to lay it all before you as a sacrifice. Would Jesus have accepted him? Absolutely. Think prodigal son. You remember the story, the young man who spent everything when he came home? Did, did the father embrace him? Absolutely. He took him in. He said, it's not about not being open to change because some people do need to change. And it doesn't mean we stop praying for people. It doesn't mean we just give up hope and we, and we stop praying. It doesn't mean any of that. Here's what I want, you to, I want you to get. Letting go is about making room for God to work. Read that out loud with me. Letting go is about making room for God to work. Come on, one more time. Letting go is about making room for God to work. Listen to this. Sometimes we have to take our hands off for God to put his hands in. Now, I want to give you um, just a couple of thoughts. And I, 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 know, I, I know some of us, you know, we struggle with our own codependency. We struggle with boundaries. I, I want to give you some, some thoughts and ideas that I hope will help you leave here, identify those people that God may be speaking to you about, and how do you really give them over in a way that will honor God? Are you ready? Here we go. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. And here's one we need to think about. Other people may be your opportunity, but they are not your responsibility. Other people may be your opportunity, but they are not your responsibility. Again, I'm not talking about children that are, we're raising in our home. I'm not talking about minors that we're giving care to. And I'm talking about adult children. I'm talking about parents we're trying to control. I'm talking about siblings we're trying to control. I'm talking about spouses we're trying to control. I'm talking about friends that we're trying to control. I want you to look at me and I want you to hear this. God gives us all kinds of opportunity in people's lives and that's a wonderful thing. But those people in your life, look at me, they are not your responsibility. 
They're an opportunity, but they're not your responsibility. In the end, each person has to be accountable for their own life. On your outline, look at the passage of Scripture from Romans chapter 14, verse 12. Read it out loud with me. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. In the end, Wanda gives an account of herself. Steve gives an account of himself. I I don't answer for her. She doesn't answer for me. We all stand before God and, and have to give an account of our own choices and our own actions in this world. Amen? And we have to realize that because some of us, we're taking other people's choices personally. And when they make bad choices, we're, we're getting all upset. And they're not upset about it. We're upset about it. And we, we want to take charge of their life. And I'm telling you, you don't have a right to. We don't have a right to. That's why I put that on your outline. Never make another person's choices about you. Oh, there was a, a great story uh, in the news about a woman up in British Columbia who was um, pulled over by the police because she was driving with a restricted driver's license and she had way too many people in her car. And when the police officer pulled her over and said, what, you, what are you doing? You got a restricted license anyway and you got all these people in your car. You know, this is really unsafe. And she said, well, I'm the only sober one in the group. And he goes, well, that may be but you may not be driving drunk, but you're driving with all these people hanging all over the place. This is, this is not safe. If another car hits you, somebody's going to get hurt. You, you can't do that. And that whole incident, because of that, ended up costing her her driver's license. She had to forfeit her driver's license. A couple weeks later, she gets pulled over again. Same thing. And the police officer says, wait a minute. You, you, you don't have a license now. And, and you're driving with all these people in the car. And she said, I was the only one not drunk. And the officer pulling this up, you know, and he's looking at it. He said, you just got pulled over for this just a, a few weeks ago. You don't even have a license because of that. And you may be the only sober person in the group, but maybe it's time to get better friends. You see, ministering to those friends is an opportunity, but they're not her responsibility. She was paying the price them. And there's some of us, we can identify with that story because we're suffering for other people because we're not letting them suffer for themselves. Now, this gets me to my second thought, and this one's going to hurt a little bit. Sometimes, as we're thinking about being helpful to other people, sometimes our helping is actually hurting disguised as good deeds. Sometimes our helping is actually hurting disguised as good deeds. Sometimes, what if, I, what if I told you that all of this energy that you're putting in to uh, care for somebody else, to, 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 to intervene in their life, what, what if I told you that all of that intervention that you're doing, what if I told you that a lot of times what you're doing, you're actually helping them stay in the predicament that they're in and that you're actually blocking the work that God wants to do? What if I told you that sometimes what you think you're doing out of a kind heart is actually just helping them stay unhealthy? How many of you have ever been corrected by God? Anybody? It's not pleasant. But you know why God does it? Why does God correct us? 
because he loves us. You don't believe it? It's right there in the Word. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. Read it with me. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Now, you, you got to understand some differences. And this is, this is where you got to be discerning and, and, and prayerful, okay? Because you need to understand the difference. You need to understand the difference between empowering and enabling. Empowering is where you're helping a person really take a step up or a step forward in their life. And enabling is where you're just simply helping people stay in the unhealthy patterns that they're in. Um, I'll, I'll give you a personal example. Now, many of you have heard me share my story of growing up in a family of addiction. And um, I've had uh, family members who, uh, because of their addiction, uh, were often down financially. And I had a, a one particular family member that uh, used to borrow money from me fairly frequently. And um, one time after loaning them money, God spoke to me, and here, here's what he told me. I'm not helping them. When I give them money, all I'm doing was this. I'm paying a bill for them because they're using their money on drugs and alcohol. And all I'm doing by paying that bill is helping them have more money to spend on drugs and alcohol. And it was a horrible moment when I realized I'm not helping them. I'm not being kind to them. I'm a part of their problem because I'm helping them stay just like they are. There's a difference between helping people and bailing people out. There's a difference between helping people and bailing people out. Uh, some of you have heard me share the story years ago when I lived in Pennsylvania. I drove over to Ohio to visit my parents and I got there that morning, about 10, between 10 and 11 o'clock and I came in. My mom was sitting at the table drinking coffee and, and I had bags under her eyes and looked like she had been up late. And I said, Mom, what's going on? You look tired. And she said, well, I had to go down to the jail last night and, and bail my, my, my nephew, her grandson, had to go down, bail my grandson out of jail. And I said, Why? Well, he got picked up. He was driving intoxicated. He got picked up for this DUI. They put him in jail, and he called me, and I had, I had to go down and bail him out. I said, you had to go down and bail him out of jail. She said, yeah. I said, somebody came in your house, put a gun to your head, and said, you will bail your grandson out of jail. And she said, well, no, but I couldn't leave him in jail. I said, why not? Why not? As long as he believes there are no consequences for his actions, why should he change? There's been a whole study done on what's been described as lawnmower parents who plow a path for their kids and never let them experience the consequences of their choices. And they grow up to be adults believing that they can pretty much do what they want because there's not gonna be any repercussions along the way. And I'm gonna look you in the eye and tell you, we're not helping our kids when we do that. We're crippling them. There's a difference between giving grace and teaching irresponsibility. I'm not talking about never giving grace to people. That's not what I'm, I'm big on grace. God is big on grace. But there's a difference between giving someone grace because they messed up this one time 
and letting them make the same mistakes over and over and over again and just passing that off. That's not, that's not grace. That's teaching them they can be irresponsible. Um, a few years ago, California, there was a, a, a guy by the name of Rene Fernandez who was picked up for a DUI. When he was brought before the judge, the judge realized that this guy had had multiple DUIs through the years. And in fact, this was the second time he had been pulled over in three months. And as the judge um, dealt with him, the judge said, I'm going to sentence you to six months in prison, which kind of took the guy's breath away. But then he said, you know what? I'm going to suspend that sentence. And I just want you to get some help for your behavior. And he let him go basically without a penalty. A couple of years after that, that same Rene was driving intoxicated in his SUV. And he plowed into the side of a, of a car with an 84-year-old man and his wife. And he wasn't hurt, but the, the elderly gentleman and his wife were both hurt severely, sent to the hospital. They both ended up with uh, disabilities as a result of the accident, having to walk with a walker and a cane after that event. When, when police arrived on the scene, uh, Renee was simply walking around the accident, smiling and talking to people while there were other people who were trying to help the injured party. He not only didn't realize what he had done, he didn't show any remorse about what he had done. Now, the, the staggering piece of all of this was that 84-year-old man that he crashed into in that car was the same judge who had uh, just suspended his sentence when he had appeared before him. You see, sometimes, and I know this is hard for us, but sometimes in the course of life, for people to stop and make changes, look, let's listen to me, we've got to get out of the way of softening or taking away those consequences. We've got to let them know, if you stay on this path, it's going to take you to places you don't want to go. It's going to lead to death and destruction. There's a difference between giving grace and teaching irresponsibility. Let me give you one more. Put your energy into praying and not controlling. Put your energy into praying and not controlling. Here's what I mean. There are some of us who have people in our life, and I know you're worried about the decisions they make. I get that. I know you're worried about their spiritual life. I get that. You're worried about where they are with God and what's going to happen to them if they die. You're worried about the choices they make. I understand all of that, and 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 I and that. All of that can build a lot of anxiety. You say, well, what should I do? I've got all this anxiety, all this concern. What should I do with that? Well, Paul in Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. What if you turned that anxiety, instead of intervening, instead of getting in the way, instead of over-functioning over on their behalf, what if you took your hands off, gave them to God, and cried out to him and let God do his work in their life? Just a question, we're Sunday morning, you're in church. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? Okay, half of us, that's, that's not bad. That's not, that's not bad. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 5.17 says. Read it out loud with me. What's it say? Never stop praying. Uh, James 5.16, what it says? When a good man prays, great things happen. Well, Pastor Steve, I got all the things. Okay, do what I do. I walk when I pray. 
I, I love it. If you got anxious energy, maybe get out and walk. You'll lose weight and release the power of God. You can't beat a deal like that. Can't beat a deal like that. That's why I put on your outline, stop nagging. Nagging, look at me. Nagging doesn't work. Stop it. Stop nagging and pray. Stop raging and pray. Stop scheming and pray. There is a God and you are not him. Have you made that discovery yet? Look at me. I love you. You can't change a single human being. Stop being God. Let God work. That's why you need to pray. There's a guy by the name of Suni Piper who wrote a, a blog I just loved. She was talking about her husband and her desire to try to control him. She, here's what she said. She said, several years ago, my husband walked away from the Lord and began to engage in things that were just overwhelming for her. She said, after countless prayers and tears, lamenting, travailing, she goes, I came to a place of full surrender and said to the Lord, whatever it takes. She said, it takes boldness and humility to come and finally lay someone at God's feet. And she said, when the answer finally came, she goes, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't pretty. The, the initiation of, that, of all of that that transpired was, uh, was a, 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 looked like a pile of ash at first. It looked withered and dead. I wasn't sure what God was up to. But then, oh my Lord, how God worked. My husband did, in fact, come back to the Lord. In the midst of this beautiful answered prayer, God also took a marriage that was fragile, tore up the foundation, and made it brand new. And the beauty of what we have today in our marriage truly would have been impossible had God not stirred up and revealed things as he did. Years later now, we're celebrating 22 years of being married. And I can confidently say that the extravagance of what we have now was worth the storms and the fire that we had to walk through. Now, look at me and hear my heart. Not every story has a happy ending. I, I don't know whether this young man ever came back to God or not in the story with Jesus. I, I don't know if the rich young ruler ever saw the folly of his ways and returned back to the Lord. I, I don't know. We don't know. A lot of people don't. Look at me. Just hear my heart. A lot of people never make it back. But they have the right to make that choice. And if that's the route that they choose, you're not going to prevent it. The only one who can have a hand in it is the Lord. And your best bet on them coming back is to take your hands off so God can put his hands on. Amen. I, I don't know what you need to give over to God. I, I don't know what issue you need to give over. I don't know what problem you need to give over. I don't know what unforgiveness you need to give over. I don't know what person in your life that God is wanting you to let go of. But this morning, I want to challenge you to take a step of faith. I, I want you to do what Jesus did in that moment and, and give this person some space 
so that God continue to do his work. Now, I know that's hard. And I'm not telling you not to do anything. I'm telling you to pray. Sometimes we've just got to get out of God's way a bit so God can do his best work. Are you willing to take a step of faith like that? Um, In your bulletin, you have a, a little card like this. And it says, Lord, I let go. What is it you need to let go of today? Who is it? that you need to let go of. Here's what I want you to do. And, and Rachel's gonna lead us in a song in a second, but as she does that, here's what I want you to do. On the back of that card, I just want you to put down whatever it is you need to let go of, whatever problem, issue, person, whatever it is, I, I, want, you to, I want you to write it on there. And then while we're singing the song, I want you to come and I just want you to put it in this basket that's right here on the table. Um, and the reason I used that basket, when I was writing this message, I thought of Moses. Remember the story of Moses? When Moses was born, the Egyptians were killing all the baby boys. And Moses' mother knew that if, if she held on to him, sooner or later they were going to discover him. They would kill him. So she did something that was really hard. She put him in a basket. She pushed him out onto the river, gave him over to God's sovereignty to protect. And if you remember the story, you know what happened. The princess, the king's daughter, sees the baby. They bring him out of the water. He ends up being raised in the castle, and he goes on to become the liberator of freedom for all of Israel, all because one mother did a really hard thing. She let go. That's my challenge to you today. We're going to sing whatever it is you need to let go of before God. Write it down. Bring it forward. After the song, I'm going to pray and ask God to work. Father, we put in this basket today um, all of the things that are heavy on our hearts, things that we have tried to control that we know we can't, problems that are bigger than us, unforgiveness that we've been holding on to, uh, issues with you that we've allowed to get in the way, and, and Lord, a whole bunch of people who are dear to us. In this basket are our children, that we wish so badly we could make choices for. We wish we could change their mind and their heart, but we can't. They're our grandchildren. They're our parents. They're our brothers and sisters. They're our good friends. and They're our spouse. Father, sometimes, quite frankly, I hate free will. <laughs> I hate that you give us the choice to choose whatever we want to do with life because sometimes we make really bad choices but that was your gift to us you said in Deuteronomy I set before you today life and death blessings and curses now choose life but each and every one of us have to make those choices for ourselves so father here today we take our hands off and we put these people in your hands Lord, what I know today is that they were, they were yours long before they were ever ours. And, and you love them even more than we do. And we believe that not only is your love great, but that your power is great. And so, Father, we pray that you would take one hand and lay it upon these cards. And, Lord, that you would take your other hand. And right now, wherever those people are today, that you would touch them. 
that you would open their eyes, that you would sensitize their heart, that you would cause them to see that they're, they're holding on to, to an iceberg that's gonna take them over the falls. And help them, oh God, to change their path. Lord, make us a people of prayer instead of a people of panic. Help us to give up the control and give it all to you who is the one who is ultimately in charge. Father, today, we've done our best to change people and we've just found out we can't do it. So we give them to you today. Have your way, Lord. Work your will. Put your hand upon them and Father, for every changed life that happens as a result, we will give you all the praise all the honor, and all the glory. There is none like you. In your precious name we ask, and everyone said, amen. 